when people come up to me and they they're like, uh, "L, there's there's a cookie on the tray that looks a bit wonky. Can I have it?" I love that sort of thing. I love when people want to eat what you're making. And again, it's just that joy that food brings. And I think that there's that never-ending kind of happiness to that. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The importance of a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle has become more and more normal in our society. Often the forgotten element to a menu, the industry has come leaps and bounds as to the value of meat-free offerings. Patisserie, with its reliance on animal fats, is seen as the last frontier in regards to vegan and vegetarian. So how do you make amazing pastries without the aid of animal products? Eleanor Rosa is a Melbourne-based chef and has just left Smith & Daughters after six years. Eleanor, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's really good to have you on the show because what you've been part of is absolutely fascinating and been incredible to watch the growth of Smith and & Daughters and, and the, what you've created there. Well, what's it been like from a pastry side of things, which is your forte, um, and vegan and vegetarian? Um, look, it's – yeah, you're right. The whole business has really um, – sort of led how plant-based food has kind of erupted in not just Melbourne, but sort of all over the world. And um, coming from pastry, I actually started working with Shannon fairly, actually I was still at patisserie school. I'd worked uh, previously as a chocolatier. Um, so obviously using lots of um, animal-based products and then kind of um, being thrown into this whole new world where suddenly all the things that you normally pull out of your cool room and the storeroom are suddenly not there. And it's pretty, it's pretty intimidating to begin with. And when I first started uh, working for Shannon, actually it's quite funny. I always joke, like I'm not sure why I got a job there because I was actually hired as a cook, uh, not as a pastry chef, which um, is quite funny to me because uh, I I barely could dice an onion when I started working there. But for some reason, Shannon saw something in me that was, you know, I'm not sure what. Maybe she just thought I'd be fun to have around. But it obviously paid off in the long term. So I actually started um, as a cook there doing predominantly savoury cooking, uh, working at Smith & Daughters. And then obviously with my pastry background, I kind of, I'm sure if you've ever worked in a kitchen or spoken to enough people in a kitchen, most savoury chefs um, sort of tend to try and keep their hands off the pastry section. So often that was, you know, those jobs were left to me. And um, kind of looking at the recipes and sort of figuring out how things, because you can see the end product on the plate and then sort of working back from that was really quite intimidating. And um, Shannon will probably hate me for saying this, but often a lot of her things didn't have very in-depth recipes, no methods, Um, things were a bit rough and tumble back in the day. And I thank her so much for that because it really forces you to become comfortable with new products and with how those things work and using things you would never think to use. So I think for me being part of the growth of the company and seeing how things have evolved, it really forces you to become very confident in what you're doing and also become hungry for knowledge because you can't really just rely on what's happening around you in the industry because often it's not available to you. 
So I think for me as like a really new chef, it kind of pushed me into this place where I had to become really confident in what I was doing and hungry to learn about what I could do without eggs, butter, dairy, all those things. For someone starting their career with all of those things, what, what made you decide to work with a, with a, an offering that was a vegan vegetarian? Um, personally, I am a vegetarian, um, but that wasn't really the, the push for me. Um, I actually knew Shannon very vaguely through a friend and um, I was looking for work after leaving the um, chocolatiers and my friend said, why don't you just ask Shannon? I'm like, well, I don't know her that well. And I just, I love the, the whole, have you, did you ever go to the Old Smith and Daughters restaurant? It was just a really cool place. Like, and I know that sounds like such a silly reason to want to work somewhere, but the, the atmosphere there was just electric. Like every day was electric. You didn't go in there and feel like everyone was just there. Like everyone was pumping. There was always music blaring. There was, and Shannon just brings this intense presence everywhere she walks. You know, she comes into a room and it's suddenly a party. And I just thought I'd come from such the opposite where like I came from a kitchen where, you know, we were told not to talk while we were working and you're there to work and not make friends. And suddenly I'm in this place where we're creating crazy stuff, stuff that people look at and go, how the hell did you make that? And you've got this boss that's like, you know, she's chucking on Limp biscuit during a service and like show, like, you know, just making sure that everyone's having fun and enjoying being a chef. And that kind of drew it to me. And when I went in to meet her for my interview, she just kind of like, straight off the bat was just kind of had like captivated me with all the stuff that they would been doing. And I had eaten at the restaurant as well before. And the, I remember the first time I ate there just being just like so completely shocked because, you know, obviously now vegan food doesn't have that sort of like tofu and side salad situation mentality. But when I first went there back in 2014, like I ate a vegan pate and I was like, what in God's name is this? And I just, that memory kind of held with me. And so when I got the job in 2016, like you kind of feel like you're going into like, like, I don't know, like a bit of a Dan Brown novel and you've been opened all the secrets and you're kind of, and it's crazy. And you, when you get handed the recipes and you think, how does that become that? Like it was just, and so like, it not only was exciting as being a new chef and working in this really cool restaurant, but also like it was nothing we had learned about before. So that's kind of what drew me to it. I thought this is just going to be an incredible challenge. Like, and it really did like push my confidence as a chef so quickly. You mentioned that you kind of got pushed into the pastry area because it was your forte. Do you remember the first success that you had in sort of this, the challenge of this new world? And was was there a pastry or dessert that you created that you remember that you had got a handle of it? Well, uh, Shannon obviously had all her own recipes that were um, very much like, you know, solid and fantastic. And I remember, <laughs> again, secrets of secrets behind the the past that Shannon used to, on a new menu day, would come in and no one knew what the recipes were. We had no idea what was about to happen that night for service. So it was kind of an all hands on deck. And again, um, it's one of the things I really credit to where I am now is that you have to sink or swim. And I think it's why Shannon, like I'm not the only person that has had a, job at Smith and Daughters for over five years, like so many people stayed for so long because I think there was always this excitement and that sort of stuff. But I remember one particular menu change and Shannon came up to me and was just like, "Mm, 
I kind of want a dessert that's like this and it's got this. So you'll have it ready by service, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> like I, I, I felt like this instant like clag in my throat and thinking, okay. And she was like, cool, cool, cool. So, yep. And I was like, so what, what recipe? She goes, oh, no, 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 just make something up. And I was like, oh, um, so, um, there were those, those sorts of things that, um, really pushed you. And I remember one of the things, the very first things was, um, that the original idea I had created, we kind of workshopped, which was a, um, it was a milk pudding that comes from, um, the Brazil region and it had like roasted plums and all sorts of things. And we kind of workshopped it across to doing a vegan creme catalan sort of infused with orange and bay and all those sorts of wonderful things so it wasn't you know my original idea but we kind of took parts of the recipe and brought it forward into this really cool dish um so that was i would say one of the first things but i mean um and again one of the reasons why i stayed so long is that um once i was moved over to take over head of pastry at the sister restaurant the deli um there was no limits. There was no, like Shannon just said, it's your menu. Like she never, she never, which again, I think back on, I'm like, what the hell was she thinking? Like I barely had any experience and she just kind of handed the reins over and she goes, you know, I, I believe you can do this. And like, I remember my first menu just like sweating, like thinking, oh God, she's going to let me pull all this stuff out. And I said, oh, do you want to look at the menu? She goes, nah, nah. And I'm like, okay. So like, uh, but a few things over the years really stand out. Like, um, the bat, the burnt bath cheesecake is probably, probably my pinnacle. I'd say of the f- Shannon had been workshopping this idea for ages and had a few trials and I said, Oh, look, let me have a go at it. And after a few goes, we kind of got it right. And to me, I think that was probably, probably in the top, but, um, definitely the croissants. We did make croissants when I started. Um, but we sort of, sort of identified that we wanted them to be as good as because I think that's the thing working there is there was never this uh, mentality that um, good enough, it needed to be as good as. So um, that was a really long process of training and research and horrible, horrible croissants until we kind of about three years ago hit the nail on the head and got this, you know, beautiful honeycombed croissant that, you know, we could say we were proud to stand up to other bakeries and give people who have a plant-based diet or for whatever reason can't consume eggs and dairy can still enjoy something as simple as a croissant and for it to not be, for lack of a better word, terrible. Without giving your secrets away, is, is, is there some steps or um, some learnings or methods that uh, help pastry um, across the board in a vegan vegetarian sense that you've kind of adapted and learned? The biggest one is forget what you know, because um, so much of the first couple of years uh, running the pastry section, I would find recipes. I was like, okay, I'm going to make a vegan. I don't know. There was some cake I wanted to make and I would try making it and it would fail over and over again. And I would think, oh gosh, like I'm doing all the things that I know to be right. And it kind of clicked with me one day. I was like, why don't you try doing something that you would technically think is wrong to do? Because often the ingredients don't act the way that they're supposed to because they aren't eggs and they aren't butter. And so there are, I think the first thing to do is to forget what you know sometimes and just kind of think about what you want the ingredients to do rather than 
the traditional way to make something and often that would lead to success. So you kind of become really good at picking what ingredients should replace something in certain situations. So like, um, you know, there's obviously um, egg, like um, egg replacement powders and all sorts of different things and um, just kind of what to use and when to use it is really the strength. But yet yeah, really unlearning a lot of things is hard and when you, I would get new pastry chefs on and they would sort of attempt a recipe or something, they'd be like, oh, it's not quite right, but I did it all right. I'm like, yes, but why don't we try doing it the wrong way first? Because often often you would surprise yourself with something and you think, like, if you sh- like again, getting new people on board and I would explain a recipe to them and they're like, you can't do that. That's not going to turn out. I'm like, you've just got to have some faith, um, which is quite funny. So, yeah, when you sort of get people in or you show them how to make something and they just kind of look at you like, yeah, that's not going to work. And when it does, you feel pretty smug. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I want to explore um, what you created at the at the deli. Um, but take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? Well, I mean, I come from both sides of my family are Italian. So it's like, you know, the very tried and true story of immigrant families where, you know, nonna and nonno were very important in our lives. And Cooking was, you know, like definitely like the dining table was right next to the kitchen, basically in the kitchen. And, um, you know, as the granddaughter, I was very much, you know, had to be in there helping non-known, just being around and doing all that sort of stuff. And she, my um, paternal grandmother was uh, a very quiet woman and she, her cooking was the only thing really, she wasn't a very emotional person. And that was really her way of, you know, showing her love and she loved watching people eat. She got this joy of people asking for more food. And I loved food as a kid. Like I loved, I was like a butterball. Like I would eat anything put in front of me. Um, Surprisingly, I'm not a sweet tooth actually, despite that being my career path. But um, my mum would always say like it was a worry to send me to my grandmother's house because I'd come back like 10 kilos heavier every time because I would never say no. And um, my grandparents didn't speak much at all English. So it was kind of the way we we bonded was, you know, my grandmother would be like, do you want something to eat? And I'd always say, yes, of course. And she would make these wonderful things like, <laughs> like I mean, all the wonderful Italian food that she would make. But one thing in particular, when my brother and I would go to stay at their house for the day or whatever, my grandmother would um, make shallow fried chips that she would cook in lard in the fry pan. And they were just like the most magical thing ever. And like, um, which is, you know, she would just do that like on a regular day. Like she would just cook anything for you, anything you wanted. So for me, that was kind of a really important part of my life because it was a way to communicate with my grandmother who never worked in this country. Like, I mean, she, um, she, so she didn't have a strong hold of English and the community she lived in was predominantly Italian. So she didn't have much of a need to. Um, so having that kind of, um, you know, language, language barrier and having this this thing of food that we could sort of communicate and share joy and was really, really special. When did you first start to get interested in a career as a chef? Um, well, um, sort of in high school, I had a real love of arts and music, but I never sort of felt that I could excel in those areas and really um, but love creativity and I f- obviously cooking is just this whole other world where you can be creative in a way 
um, that is so accessible to everybody. And so I had, you know, announced to my mother that as leaving high school, I was going to become a chef and it was a firm no, no way, um, which, you know, she's apologised since for, but I kind of commend her for it because I feel like, first of all, so many kids get into hospitality and it is so hard. It is long hours. It's like if you're working in patisserie or bakery, it's early mornings, it's giving up social life, it's so many things. And I think at that age I probably wasn't mature enough to make all those sacrifices. So I, um, you know, dabbled in a few uni degrees that fell by the wayside and worked a few um, corporate jobs and sort of at the age of about 23, I was just really unfulfilled and unhappy and I just thought, no, nah, this is the only time. Like if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. So I chucked, I chucked it all in and um, decided to go back to school in 2015 um, to become a pastry chef, which I'd always sort of leaned towards pastry um, it's a funny, th- the reason it's so simple, but I just feel like there's this extra level of joy about dessert. Like it's something that's sometimes seen as a bit like, you know, naughty and you shouldn't do it. Like I'd seem so silly, but when you present like something really indulgent to someone and there's this like real joy and happiness that people get with dessert that also comes with savory food, but I just feel like there's this it's the way that the meal ends as well. So I feel like you're kind of like the grand finale a little bit. So I sort of gravitated towards patisserie for that reason. And also there are so many avenues where not just creativity, but artistic creativity can come out with plating and decoration and all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of um, how I got it eventually became a chef. Do you, do you have any stories of, you know, the first commercial kitchens that you worked in? Was it was this a surprise to you, that environment? No, not really. I do remember. So I, I started um, working for a chocolatier in South Yarra and um, I remember my first shift there and I went into the kitchen and, you know, I, I, basically my first couple of days I was just told to stand there and I was polishing chocolate moulds until my hands crippled um, and I was told you'd say nothing, you do this job, but while you're doing this job you need to observe, you need to absorb what's happening around you. And I just remember thinking like in the first couple of days I just knew like instantly I just said to my mum, I was like this is where I was meant to be, like just the, it, I, it just like all clicked suddenly, like I, you sort of don't think about the long hours on your feet and, you know, the things you have to give up because you go into work, not every day, but pretty much most days thinking that you've, you're doing what you love and you're enjoying your work. So like really early on, it didn't, nothing really shocked me. I didn't find anything that I thought, oh, I wasn't expecting this. And I think that is the benefit of being older and sort of having a bit more maturity and understanding that, you know, these kinds of industries require a lot of mental and physical determination. So while I wasn't really shocked, I did find a really um, a really strong sense of reassurance that um, what I had, the decision I made was the right one. Tell us about working with Smith and Daughters, the creation of the deli, and it became sort of really your own and your, your outlet. What, what sort of pressures were involved in that? Tell us about when that you took that on. Um, well, as I said, like I was – so I had been working um, at Smith and Daughters for about a year and a half and the standing paste, head pastry chef at the deli had resigned and I remember I was at home one day and I get a call from Shannon. And at that time, Shannon and I weren't very close because uh, Shannon was working predominantly at the deli at that time 
and my shifts at the restaurant never really coincided with her. So I only ever saw her really in passing. So to get a call from Shannon, I think it was about eight o'clock at night, I started packing it thinking, oh, something's not good. Um, but she goes, she just, I said, oh, hi, Shannon. She goes, are you ready to run and run the deli? And I was like, what? <laughs> and I mean, I just said, do you think I'm ready? She goes, yeah, of course. She goes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let you do it if I didn't think you could. And I was like, okay. So, um, and really that kind of belief from someone that you, A, don't know that well and B, who is, it's, it's their child. Like to have that kind of belief from someone who is now a very, um, obviously has become my mentor and close friend really takes a lot of pressure like external pressure off you. Most of the pressure comes from within, you know, that you want to do a good job and um, create something really fantastic and amazing. But the external pressure wasn't really there because I felt so much encouragement and so much belief in my ability. And I think there were obviously times where, you know, Shannon would have to say, "Mm, I don't think this is the right, you haven't really hit the mark here or that sort of thing. But consistently the, the topic more was, just encouragement of what I was doing was meeting her standard. And I took, you know, obviously I had, you know, so many recipes and so much knowledge already that I could draw from Shannon, but also um, I really took it on myself to look at things like what people enjoyed. And I think especially with veganism is that the nostalgia factor is so important because there are so many things that when you, become a vegan or have a plant-based diet or have so many allergies that you just can't have anymore. And I think that was what was so important that you would just like, often I would just like, I would go to the shopping center and I would go through Coles and I would just like go to the biscuit section or I'd go to the cake section. And I would just kind of look around at what was there and what people couldn't have anymore. So, um, you know, we did things, I did things like vegan Tim Tams, vegan Kit Kats, mint slices, um, all that sort of stuff that people just all of a sudden couldn't have. Like, and that was, I think probably what kind of, once you kind of get one of those things and then the next and then the next, it kind of, the wheels started turning. And then after about six months of being in the deli, all the ideas were just flowing and you kind of get a handle on so many things. And yeah, so that was really the first kind of, um, that first sort of six months while there was a lot of internal pressure from me, I got a lot of support in what I was doing kind of was meeting the brief. So it really kind of then got got a bit of a, not a big head about myself, but I felt like I didn't have an imposter syndrome anymore. Like I was meant for that role and the role, you know, I was serving it well. And then sort of as the years go on, well then things become second nature and all of a sudden the things that you used to cook that weren't vegan become the daunting thing. And vegan cooking is so ridiculously easy to me now that um, I kind of get a little bit more scared about making cakes for family and friends that aren't vegan. And suddenly I'm cracking eggs and using butter and doing these things, which I eat at home, obviously, but don't use in a commercial sense. You've done so many things over the years, collaborations, the hotel, the restaurant, the deli. Do you have any stories of sort of real highlights for you? Yeah, I think probably one of my favourite memories um, was 
back in 2018. And again, this was sort of towards the start. I'd only been working at the deli, I think, for about a year and a bit. Maybe it was even 2017, but I'm sorry, my memory sort of fails me on dates. But uh, Shannon had decided that um, with um, uh, at the Unicorn Hotel uh, up in Sydney that we were going to do a full re- uh, recreation of a Sizzler buffet, um, which was insane. And we sold out three back-to-back sittings and Shannon's, turned to me and said, well, you're coming to Sydney, right? And I was like, what? She was like, yep, yeah, we're, we're getting on the plane and we're, that's it, we're going. And so for me, like, again, still being quite a baby in the industry and having this, you know, super cool boss who's like, yeah, you're coming on this cool trip with me and we're going to go cook in a different kitchen and um, I'm going to put you in charge of the desserts and you're going to come up with the recipes and all of this sort of stuff. And it was really scary, but we um, we get down there and, well, first of all, we we flew down um, 120 kilos of food um, in ice boxes, which was, first of all, the most insane thing I've ever seen, just, you know, backpacking and um, bringing down all this food in boxes and boxes. The people at the airport were ready to kill us with the amount of extra baggage that we had. And um, we get into this kitchen and... It was, for me, I think the first time obviously stepping into another kitchen with my boss where I really felt that um, that sort of chef-to-chef sense of hospitality, you know, when you go into another kitchen and this chef is just welcomes you with open arms and, op- like, gives you reins of their kitchen and you're suddenly in a non-familiar environment but you're also getting encouraged to do this great thing. So we're doing this event, we're setting up and all of a sudden we kind of feel the gravity of the situation where we've got these three back-to-back sittings of a buffet selling out and we knew it was going to be crazy but maybe we sort of underestimated how um, lackluster the vegan offering in Sydney was at the time um, which goes to show just how things have grown over the last few years. Um, but it was just – and it was it was Sizzler style. Like there was no limit on what they could eat and you were seeing people do – do that sort of horrific sizzler thing where they just put everything on the plate, whether it's dessert or not, and it's just these slot buckets of food. And pe- we were just we just couldn't make the food fast enough. Like between after the first sitting, we had to send people out to go and find more food because it was just bizarre. And it was such an intense day, but so much fun. Like we were on our feet all day, just running back and forth, like stocking things up. Shannon was running out, filling up the buffet. Like there was no one was, you know, too cool to do anything. So, um, and then by the end of that trip, we'd sort of, you know, were absolutely cooked and, I, I actually fell asleep at the airport and missed my flight home after all of that, um, which was another story. But I just remember that, that collab kind of, and that was the first, and also it was just so successful and so much fun and getting to see, again, that, it's that nostalgia factor of all these foods that were off limits for so long. Suddenly people are getting to have a chicken palm and a pasta carbonara and they're having, we had a soft serve machine and you know, Sunday bar with all the toppings and people were just so joyful. And I think that, you know, again, going back to that thing of how, you know, food just creates this happiness in people. And like, it was just such a positive experience. I mean, obviously not every event 
runs as well as that. And we, you know, obviously had some that were better than others, but that one for being the first was just so fun. And the guys at the Unicorn Hotel, like, as I said, that chef to chef hospitality where you kind of walk in as a stranger thinking, oh, I'm stepping on toes. And they just kind of welcome you in with open arms and, you know, step back and hand their restaurant over to you. It was pretty, pretty cool. And of all the, you know, chefs that and restaurants that we've worked with over the years, um, that's a really special thing that you don't know about the industry, I think, is that when you go into a restaurant um, or you meet other chefs, that it's, not, it's called hospitality for a reason. Like these people want to make you happy and feel welcome. And I think that's a really cool thing about the industry. You get to learn, um, like I did, when someone, you know, as connected as Shannon takes you along, you know, for her wild ride and you meet these people that are now like, wonderful friends and just will do anything for you. After six years, you decided to leave Smith and Daughters and the deli. Tell us about that decision. It was a really hard one because um, Shannon is now one of my closest friends. Um, you know, we've, we've gone, gone through, uh, especially in the last three years with COVID, it's been an intense ride, very intense ride, going from a business that would be, you know, every Saturday having a line around the door to nothing and trying to, you know, as every other business, pivot and change and move and all that sort of stuff. I feel like um, the last few years kind of, and I think for everyone in hospitality, have probably felt like 10 years, <laughs> you know, Um but also um, when, which was such an amazing opportunity, being given the reins to um, be the head pastry chef so early um, in my time at Smith & Daughters and Smith & Deli, um, it is a lot of work. And, like, with the menu changes every week at the deli for pastry, rain, hail or shine, there's no, you know, we try to keep things fun and fresh and make people wanting to come back. And that is, you know, a lot of work and it does keep you on your toes and makes you hone your skills and be creative constantly, which is fantastic. Um, but also sort of as time goes on, um, you don't lose the drive to learn. And I think that part of me wanted um, just wanted a new challenge because not that the, I, I've clocked everything there is to know about vegan pastry, but uh, – <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but I've got a pretty good handle on it. Um, so I, you know, I could, if some, there are very few combinations of dietary requirements I can't cater for off the top of my head, I've got a really strong handle on it. And also I think there are so many, um, so many great things about a change of management. Um, and so we, at the end of last year, moved to an enormous, beautiful, wonderful new premises, which is just, you know, miles away from the original deli. And that's been so incredible to be a part of. Um, but I also felt that I couldn't, I couldn't give as much creativity anymore. And I didn't. And when you hand the reins over to someone new, they bring this incredible energy and, you know, injection of new blood and this enthusiasm that you can't sustain forever. And so when I sort of 
said to Shannon, it's time for me to move on. Her first thoughts were, what's happened? And I said, well, nothing's happened. It's just because she, she, she thought some some horrible thing had happened. No, no, no. It's, it's more that I just felt it was time for me to pass on that raise to someone new, which is now our new head pastry chef, Jazz, who is just – um, I call her Mini Me because she she's just got that same kind of, first of all, it's the same kind of craziness that she, you know, has to make noise every 35 seconds or she'll probably implode and runs around just singing little songs and doing things. But she has that same sort of enthusiasm and wanting to create new things and do all this sort of stuff. And I just kind of felt in myself it was time for me to give that to someone else and it's going to be so great and so amazing and already she's, just made it her own, which is so exciting to see. And for me, um, as I was saying, the last few years have just been so impactful on everyone in hospitality. It's given me a chance to take a um, take time off, first of all, um, which has been incredible, and also um, to look for a role where I can just learn and not worry about managing and um, coming up with new ideas and kind of reinsert myself into a more traditional pastry role where I am uh, using traditional ingredients and also um, just learn from someone, someone new, you know? You've been part of a, a restaurant group that's had the most extraordinary impact. What do you love about what you do? I think it's, I think it's just that, as I said, I just keep going back to this sense of joy and even up like up until probably my last shift, like you can ask anyone, I'll be walking around breaking up cookies or leaving slices of cake around in takeaway containers and people are like, no, 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 no I don't. I said, no, you've got to eat it. And if they don't, I'll throw a big tantrum about it. Um, but also when people come up to me and they, they're like, uh, Elle, there's – there's a cookie on the tray that looks a bit wonky. Can I have it? I love that sort of thing. I love when people want to eat what you're making and um, that kind again, it's just that joy that food brings. And I think that there's that never ending kind of happiness to that and just sharing, sharing that with other people. Well, Eleanor, it's incredible what you've been part of and very much looking forward to seeing what you create from here on. It's been an absolute honor to have you on deep in the weeds today to hear just a bit of your story. Um, please keep in touch. I will. Thank you. We'll catch up again soon. Okay. No worries. This is the deep in the weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.